We've spent a couple weeks talking about why there's a gift of speaking in tongues and how it operates, or at least how it's supposed to operate. But where do tongues come from? There's only one pattern I find in scripture, and you'll find out what that is today on the Cross References Podcast. Welcome to the Cross References Podcast, where you learn how every small piece of the Bible tells one big story, and most importantly, how they all connect to the cross and Christ. Whether you're a new Christian or a veteran Bible reader, our goal is that God's Word will make more sense to you after every episode. This is Luke Taylor. I'm a minister, and for the past couple of Mondays, I've been focusing on 1 Corinthians and the gift of tongues, mainly what it says in chapter 14. One of the themes I keep returning to is that tongues are for everybody. Now, some Christians don't believe that tongues are even for today whatsoever. And I want to answer some of those objections today. But also, as I've been saying, if that's your stance, what I really need is for you to make that case to me. The burden of proof is on you because I'm I'm just kind of trying to believe what the Bible says. <laughs> like, I'm just kind of looking at what it says and trying to follow it. So if you believe that there was an expiration date on the spiritual gifts or or anything in the New Testament, I would just need you to show me that, and, and then we can go from there. Second, some Christians say that tongues might still be for today, but that not everybody is supposed to speak in tongues. And my explanation for this, and I've kind of covered it last time, but there are different contexts where tongues are used. And so in 1 Corinthians 12, that's focused on tongues and interpretation, which is the public use of the gift, And it's true that not every Christian has a gift of tongues and interpretation. However, 1 Corinthians 14 teaches us about the private use of the gift of tongues, and Paul expresses his desire multiple times for everybody to be using that gift. So that indicates to me the potential for everybody to speak in tongues is there. It doesn't mean all Christians are going to speak in tongues, but the potential is there, and Paul instructs us to seek it, whether we actually get it or not. Just like the Bible tells us, lay hands on the sick, pray for them, that they may be healed. We can't control whether they're going to be healed. That's in God's hands, right? God is in control of that, but we are told to lay hands and pray for them because the potential for them to be healed is there. And so we want to be obedient to Scripture and and do what it says. Likewise, we're told to pray not just, not, not actually even just for tongues, but the ability to prophesy. And I understand that to mean knowing God's mind, being able to speak what God says and thinks. And so, you know, if you're on the same page with all that that I am, or even if you're not, (laughs) it's okay. But if you want a little bit more information on it, you're probably wondering today, if tongues is available to all Christians, how do they receive the gift of tongues? How do they get it? And so I only know one way to receive the gift of tongues in scripture. And that's what I would like to talk about today. It's always been interesting to me that when the gospel writer Luke began his sequel to the to the book of Luke, and the sequel is called The Acts of the Apostles, he actually backtracks a little bit, though. He goes to the last things that Jesus was saying before he rose into heaven. And so Acts 1, verse 4 
It says, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so um, I'm an Assembly of God minister. These, these are verses that we go over a lot. Um, and one of the things that we say about the book of Acts, perhaps a better name for the book of Acts, instead of calling it the Acts of the Apostles, that was just a name that they stuck on it a few hundred years after it was written. But maybe a better name could have been the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because yes, it, it includes the actions of the apostles throughout the whole book. But if you read it this way, the main character in the story is really the Holy Spirit. If Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospels of the second person of the Trinity, which was Jesus, Acts is kind of like a Gospel of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And as you read the book, pay attention to how much it says the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is a book all about the Holy Spirit, how the church started on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down. But that's not all that happened. The Holy Spirit empowered the church to do everything that it was doing throughout this whole book. So Acts is truly a story of the supernatural things that happen when the Holy Spirit is leading the way. And it all begins at the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fi- as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The first time we see this gift of tongues show up in Scripture, it says the people were filled with the Spirit. As Jesus had said it in the chapter before, they were baptized in the Spirit. He said, you'll be baptized in the Spirit not many days from now. So unequivocally, that is what this is. Being baptized is being filled with the Spirit. And there was a physical manifestation of the disciples being baptized. It said they spoke in other tongues. So this was a sign that was um, that something supernatural was going on, and, and everybody who was there could see it. And, and there's all kinds of things that happen throughout Acts when somebody is filled with the Spirit. Sometimes people, sometimes people are said to speak in tongues. Sometimes other things happen. And, and as I said before, I'm an Assembly of God minister. I know I'm supposed to hop on here and supposed to tell you that the initial physical evidence of baptism in the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. And, and, and while I agree with that doctrine, I'm going to say that's not something I'm going to make a big deal about today. Um, because for me personally, it's just important to me that you're seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues. I'm not, I'm not actually here trying to, I I feel like this is an issue that divides a lot of Pentecostal Christians. I wish it wasn't such a, (laughs) to be honest, just to be a little frank here, I even wish the AG didn't make such a big deal about it. I I agree with them, but, but I wish it wasn't like a ride or die issue for so many of them. Anyway, I don't make the rules. (laughs) So I'm not going to get into the initial physical evidence thing on this program today. Maybe we could talk about that some other time, but here is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about baptism in the Holy Spirit and that it's a secondary experience after salvation. And I also want to establish that tongues only ever follow after or during receiving this experience. Okay? And so I'm doing this today to answer the question of how to receive the gift of tongues. If you want to receive that gift, I'm just going to show you what I know about it from Scripture And I think I will, if I have time, I will share my personal experience with you. Maybe that'll help a little. But honestly, I don't want my experience to be the thing that convinces you 
I want scripture to convince you. So we're going to start with scripture. Um, here's point number one. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is subsequent to salvation. Okay. I'm going to use that word a lot today. Sub, subsequent, subsequent. It means after. Okay. It means after salvation. In some cases in the Bible, it happened at the same time. People got saved and then they got filled right then. Other times it happened subsequently. So um, that's I want to establish that. I'm going to use that word a lot today. I don't believe somebody gets baptized in the Spirit if they're not saved. I think you have to be saved at least first. That's kind of a prerequisite to being baptized in the Spirit. And I believe baptism in the Spirit only comes when someone is saved, generally, uh, sometime afterward, but it only comes when someone is actually a born-again Christian. Okay, So we already read Acts 2. Let's look at Acts chapter 10. If you go to the end of that chapter at verse 44, Peter's preaching the gospel to a group of Gentiles. It says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So these people were saved. They had just gotten saved, but we know that they were saved, especially because Peter is calling for them to be baptized. And you don't baptize somebody unless they're saved. And then suddenly the Holy Spirit is filling these people. And it says they were also speaking in tongues. All right. So we see all these elements I've been talking about coming all together right here. Saved, baptized in the spirit, speaking in tongues. I'm going to back up a few chapters. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. It says, Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them to Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So again, receiving the Spirit is something that comes subsequent to salvation, okay? These people had already been saved, but they hadn't yet had the Holy Spirit fall on them. And so it says they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. It was something that came later. There are pastors and theologians who believe that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is just something that happens to every single believer at the time that they are saved. That basically, if you are a Christian, you've also been baptized in the Spirit. But if you look at these verses right here, they show that that is not the case. Here are people who are saved, but not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit. So you can be a believer. doesn't mean that you're automatically going to be baptized in the Spirit. That is something subsequent to salvation. <laughs> and, and trust me, if you're baptized in the Spirit, I mean, you're going to know. <laughs> you're, you're really going to know. You, I mean, you can know that you're saved too, but baptism in the Holy Spirit is a supernatural thing. I mean, when it happens, you know what's happening, okay? So, I mean, you no one's really wondering, oh, was I baptized in the Spirit or not? There might be some people who wonder that. I guess we'll talk some more about that later. But um, here's just what I want you to know today, that those are two different things. doesn't mean that just because you're saved, you're automatically filled with the Spirit. This is a very contentious issue in Christianity. One of the greatest theologians in church history, John Stott. I, lo- I like a lot of what John Stott says. I'm not a, I don't agree with everything he says. He's got some problems, in my opinion, but he's a, he's a, he was a great man, great theologian. He believed that baptism in the Holy Spirit was just a euphemism for, for being saved. 
If you're saved, you're baptized in the Spirit. That's what he said. So I'm thinking when I hear that, you know, I'm thinking, well, how does he explain places in Scripture like Acts chapter 8, where somebody was saved, but they had not yet been baptized in the Spirit? You know, how would how would he interpret that then? Because <laughs> it's pretty clear right there that it's two different things. And I happen to have the Acts commentary by John Stott. So I looked it up, and, and here is a quote from him. I'm going to read what it says. He says, I regard it as having been uh, altogether unusual. That's what he's saying in his commentary on Acts about Acts chapter 8. He says, I regard it as having been altogether unusual. That altogether unusual is how he, he explains it. He says, baptism in the Spirit is the same as salvation. And then if you point to a place in Scripture where it's not the same thing, he says, well, that was just altogether unusual. <laughs> in other words, trying to say that this was just some weird exception, that that's not the way it's supposed to be. Well, listen, guys, if we start doing that with the Bible, just tossing out anything that doesn't match our doctrine and saying, oh, well, that was just a weird exception. When you start doing that, you can toss out whatever you want to in the Bible and you can just make up whatever doctrine you want. I mean, the same goes, the same goes for Acts 2. The disciples did not get saved on the day of Pentecost. They had already been saved ever since they confessed Jesus as Lord and started following him. But that was long before Pentecost. And clearly, the, infill, the infilling of the Spirit came later. So I'm not trying to offend anyone by saying this, but I don't believe that all Christians are Spirit-filled. That is something that comes later. I mean, I, I, that means all Christians have the Holy Spirit, okay? But not all Christians are Spirit-filled. There's a difference in those two things. Just like you know, I've got a glass of water sitting right next to me, okay? It has some water in it, but it's not full of water, it's only about half full, okay? I, I'm an optimist person, all right? I didn't say half empty, it's half full. But it's not full, okay? You can be, you can have water, you can have the Holy Spirit, doesn't mean you're filled with the Holy Spirit. So, I don't believe all Christians are filled with the Holy Spirit, but if you're listening, if you're not, I would like you to be, so let's talk about what comes next. And so, number two today, tongues come with, or or they follow, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, okay? Tum tongues come with or follow the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Biblically speaking, that is the only precedent that I know. That's the only precedent I see in Scripture. If someone says they want to speak in tongues, all I know is we got to start with getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, because I don't see any other way to it than that. Key point here, every person in the Bible who is said to speak in tongues had either been filled with the Spirit at that moment or they had been filled at a time previously, all right? Every person in Scripture who is said to speak in tongues, they had either been filled with the Spirit and spoken tongues at that moment, or they had been filled, said to have been filled with the Spirit previously. We talked about Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 8. Now, in Acts 2, they were already saved. In Acts 10, they got saved and filled at the same time. In Acts 8, they were already saved, and then they got filled. We don't know if they spoke in tongues right then. I mean, we could assume it, it doesn't actually say that they spoke in tongues in chapter 8. Simon the sorcerer, sorcerer, he saw them get baptized. He saw something happening, whether it was tongues or not, but he saw something happening, and he, he even offered the disciples money to pay for it. He wanted what they had. Acts chapter 9, Paul sees Jesus on the Damascus road. He gets saved. Verse 17, a Christian named Ananias comes to visit Paul. He says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And it does not say in Acts chapter 9 that Paul spoke in tongues right then. He might have, he might not. I mean, again, I'm not getting into the initial physical evidence thing today. Here's what I do want you to know, though. Paul says this later in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So we can conclude at a minimum that Paul either spoke in tongues in Acts 9 or he spoke in tongues at a later time. But, you know, he spoke in tongues, but he had been filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 9. So what I'm saying today is every person who is who is said to speak in tongues had either been filled with the Spirit at that moment or at a time previously. Another place you can go and look is Acts 19. Same thing. I'm not even going to read it all today because I've got a lot of places I want to go. I'm just going to move right along. But just if you want to go check that out, you can. Every person who is said to speak in tongues had either been filled with the Spirit at that time or at a time previously. I got some mailbags for you today. First one here is from Joe in South Carolina. Hey, Joe, thanks for being a listener. It was awesome to hear from you this past week. And so Joe had had sent this. He said, our church practices tongues in, go- in good order, not to interrupt the service or to call attention to oneself, but during open prayer. Several times a year, the pastor calls people up who want the gift, but haven't received it yet. I took over a year to fully receive it. At first you feel stupid, but if you pray for it and work on it, it'll come naturally. Yeah, I would echo that. I mean, it takes t- it takes stepping out in faith to go up there and get prayed for, for someone to, to lay hands on you for you to receive the Spirit. And I know people feel like, well, is this even going to be worth anything? Am I going to be embarrassed if it doesn't work out? What's even going to happen to me when I go up there? So I can sympathize with that feeling. Yeah, you feel kind of dumb. You feel kind of like, what's you don't know what's going to happen. Um, but I just encourage people listening, just push through it. No one is going to be down on you because you are seeking more of God's Spirit. Like, there, no one should be judging you negatively for that. If they do, that's a problem with them, not a problem with you. But I'd say to people, yeah, don't let that, don't let that scare you or hold you back. Um, go after getting more of God. And then Joe also sent this follow-up message. Um, and I want to share this too, because it was very much like my own experience. So he said, every so often, our pastor makes an altar call for those who want to speak in tongues, but have not yet received the gift. As for my attempts to speak in tongues, I tried for several months to no effect. On one so- such altar call, pastor lay hands on me and I spoke in tongues for several minutes. Still, I wasn't able to repeat until a couple of months later when I was mad about something and the tongues flowed out of me. Since then, I have the gift and pray in the Spirit daily. Speaking in tongues gives me a feeling of peace and calm. And so I appreciate that testimony. Um, it, and actually, it feels pretty similar to my own. And so uh, I think I'll just go ahead and share today my just my own experience of being filled with the Spirit because I think it, it um, lines up with what Joe was saying in a lot of ways, and it also lines up with scripture. And so again, I want you to base your understanding of what should happen with the Holy Spirit, base it on scripture, not some guy on a podcast, okay? I, don't, I can't emphasize that enough. I'm just a regular guy. Um, you shouldn't base what you believe just on what you heard someone say on a podcast. But here's what I would want you to do is I'm just gonna share my story so that you can see where it, where it follows the pattern that I've been laying out from scripture, okay? Again, be Bereans. Look, look into this and figure it out for yourself from what the Bible says. But I just want to share my experience. So I, the church I was attending when I was a teenager, they were having a revival one night. I was like 18, 19. And they asked people who wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit to, they said this the night before at the revival. They said, tomorrow night, that's what we're going to pray for. So if you want the Holy Spirit, be praying for that and, um, and come down tomorrow night. So the next night they did the altar call at the, at the end of the service. And I went down right to the front. 
I got on the front row. I was just a few feet from the pulpit. The speaker at these services, it was a like a revivalist, um, a guy named Jimmy Davis. He's an evangelist or something. He has a, I remember he had a, a ministry that was something about one billion souls. And so anyway, he was preaching the revival at our church. I went down to the front. He, I mean, I, like I said, I was front row center. He came down, he prayed for me, laid hands on me. I had a powerful spiritual experience. Um, if I really went into detail, it, it might freak you out. I'm not trying to freak people out today. Um, so I'm not even really going to go super into deep detail about it. Um, but I just had a really, I'm not trying to be freaky or weird today. I didn't black out or anything. I was totally aware, aware of my surroundings the whole time. Um, but I just, I, honestly, I even struggled to come up with the words to explain it. I, I really have nothing to compare it to, but he laid his hands on me. I felt the Holy Spirit envelop me. And, and I would say it lasted about five to 10 minutes. And during that time, really all I could think about was I just kept thinking about how holy God is. Like I was kind of brought into this deeper awareness of God's holiness. And and um and and part of that awareness was just that God is so much bigger and deeper and holier than my human brain could even comprehend. And so this was a that I mean that that's kind of what I remember from those moments. Um in a in a physical sense, I could feel God's spirit enveloping me. But again, I don't want to get too detailed because I'm not trying to creep people out. <laughs> this is just, it wasn't, it was not scary or anything like that. Um, the thing is though, during this whole thing, I didn't speak in tongues. And here's the thing. Nobody told me to. Like no, nobody had told me to say anything. <laughs> I was just, that's, it wasn't part of the sermon that night. I was just standing down there on the front row. Nobody had told me to say anything during being filled with the spirit or anything like that. So, I mean, I'm just standing there quiet. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to speak in tongues or anything like that. And so I stood there in the moment and eventually the moment passed. And then a few years later, I'm talking to an AG pastor, Assembly of God. And, and he was sharing, I was sharing that story with him. And he says, oh, well, you should have spoken in tongues if you really got filled. And I'm like, well, nobody told me to speak in tongues. Nobody told me to say anything at all. <laughs> so he kept telling me, though, oh, that's what happens whenever you get filled, then you're supposed to speak in tongues. So, um, you know, like I said, nobody told me to move my mouth. Nobody told me to even try anything like that. I was a little distracted at the moment as all that stuff was happening. Quite frankly, growing up as a teenager, even in an Assembly of God church, I don't remember ever hearing the phrase initial physical evidence or, or anything like that. We, had, we, we talked about tongues a lot, but I'd never heard anything about that you have to speak in tongues at the moment that you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So anyway, um, so th a few years later, and I'd been talking to this pastor, and he says, oh, well, you should have spoken tongues. Well, I'm like, at the, at this time, my wife and I, I'm married now, and we're living in a, at a little apartment. And what that pastor said just like really was kind of getting to me. And so I would just stay up late about every night praying about it. I'm not just about that, but I would have a prayer time every night because my wife had this job where she would get up like extra early. Like she got up at three or four in the morning. And so she went to bed a lot earlier than I did. And so she would go to bed and I would just kind of like go to the living room and, and pray for a while. I tried to, I tried to pray for 30 minutes a night. Um, sometimes I didn't make it that far, but that's what, that was like my goal. And so I'd go kneel on our living room crouch and I would pray. And, and those are some of the sweetest memories of my life. You know, to be honest, it was a really good time for me, but but here's one of the things I would pray during that time. I would say, God, I believe your word says that tongues are for everybody. I believe that because that's what I had read in 1 Corinthians 14, 5. 
Paul says, now I want you to all speak in tongues. Okay. That just did not make sense to me that Paul would say that unless there was a potential for all to speak in tongues. So I kept telling God, you tell me to desire this gift. If I pray in a tongue, it will edify myself. From studying the word, I have arrived at the conclusion that tongues only come or follow with a baptism in the Holy Spirit. So I said, I was like, God, I know something happened to me back at that revival with Jimmy Davis. And I said, you know, I don't know if if you filled me or not, but I said, but I want that ability to speak in tongues because the scripture tells me to pray for this. And so that was my prayer. And I, I just included that in my prayer for months. That was just one of the things I prayed for every night for months. I believed, honestly, I believed if God had filled me with the spirit at that revival, that it was just locked away within me somewhere. I just had to like kind of access it. I just had to figure out how to access that. I, I, but I knew it must have been somewhere inside of me. And then here's what happened. One night, I'm just praying there on the couch. This is late at night, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. Nothing spectacular about that night, you know, other than I'm just praying. I don't remember what I was praying for even. But I'm praying all of a sudden, this strange speech started coming out of my mouth, just started rolling right out of my mouth. And it just happened. <laughs> like the room didn't shake. I didn't shake. It just started flowing out of me like a river. Like it just it just kind of boom hit me one night while I'm praying. And ever since then, I've just been able to pray in tongues. And that's just how it started for me. So that that's kind of my story. Um, and listen, if that sounds a little wild to you, I mean, personally, I'm a very skeptical person. Okay. I don't just believe every miracle story I hear. And I don't believe just every supernatural thing that I that comes across my path. I mean, I want a little bit of evidence to go along with it. Okay. I believe miracles can happen, but I, I know also people can be mistaken or people can lie. So I like a little bit of evidence. And I just kind of, I question myself about this tongues gift. I'm like, how can I know that this is really from God? How do I know I haven't just lost my mind? <laughs> you know, like I was even skeptical of myself. So here's what I would tell you about um, why I believe it was it was real and is real to this day. Because one, I had tried to speak in tongues in the past. I had tried and tried and I just couldn't do it. Like I just, uh, I never tried to fake it. I never tried to pretend I could when I wouldn't, but I would just try to figure out how to do it. So I had tried in the past and here's what would come out of me when I would try to speak in tongues. It was just like repetitive sounds, just like a couple of syllables that I just repeat again and again. It sounded like, um, I don't know, gibberish. I don't know if that's the best word, but it just sounded, you know, it was just meaningless, you know, chattering because it was just the same couple of syllables repeated again and again. I had tried for months, maybe even years. I had tried to pray in tongues. I wasn't trying to fake it. Like I said, I was just trying to figure out how to do it. And so when it hit me for real, that late, that one night, late night when I was staying up late praying, instantly that was a lot different from all the other times. This time when I was praying in tongues, it wasn't just repetitive sounds. I mean, it literally sounded like I was just speaking another language. Um, Number two, another way that I just kind of know this was real is that I roll my R's a lot whenever I pray in tongues. And that was significant to me because I took Spanish in sixth grade. I took Spanish in college. All those times I could never roll my R's. I always tried. I constantly tried for the classes. I never could figure it out. Okay, I remember I looked up a statistic one time that it said like 8% of people can't roll their R's. They just can't do it. It's like they're t- they can't figure out how to make it work in their brain or they just don't have the ability. I don't know. And I thought, okay, well, I'm one of those 8% because I don't know how people do it. I can't roll my R's. 
When I started praying in tongues, guess what? I started rolling my R's. <laughs> I do it all the time. I can't do it on command. If I were to go into a Spanish class today, I couldn't roll my R's, but I can whenever I'm praying in tongues. So that's my story. Again, shouldn't take my story as what you should base your doctrine on. You should believe what God's word says. That's what your confidence should be rooted in. Not some random guy on a podcast, God's word. So I just wanted to share my story to hopefully illustrate how God's word plays out. Go build your doctrine on God's word. And and here's what we can conclude from God's word, that baptism in the Holy Spirit is a subsequent experience after salvation. And number two, tongues only follow after or during receiving this experience. And so with that, I'm going to take a short break. And then whenever we come back, I'll let you know where we're going next. If anybody has a question or even a challenge for me, uh, what I'd ask you to do is just leave a comment or shoot me an email. It's crossreferencespodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we are going to close down here pretty soon. I want to say this too. If you appreciate today's Bible study, you could show your appreciation by saying a prayer that more people will find it um, or sharing this out, leaving a like or a positive review. That always helps too with the helping it rise in the rankings on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever. If you even just say a prayer, I would just be very grateful for that. So thank you if you tuned in. Make sure you're subscribed if you want to catch what's coming next time. So today I was going to go into the second part of my my lesson for today. It was going to be answering objections that people have to the gift of tongues or answering the arguments that cessationists will often bring to the table. That's people who don't believe the spiritual gifts are for today. That was going to be the second part of today's lesson. Here's the thing. I'm looking at where I've recorded. I've already been been talking on here for over half an hour. <laughs> so to me, uh, I don't I don't want to put out like an hour-long podcast. I'm like, I don't know if people are going to listen to me for that long. So I guess sometimes I do put out an hour-long podcast. I'll tell you what, between you and me, I don't like it when I do that, okay? Who wants to hear the same guy talk for an hour straight? I don't. I don't want to hear myself talk for an hour straight. So, so I'm going to close it down for today. Um, I hate to do that for this reason. Next week, I really wanted to get back into the book of Ezekiel um, because I have been missing that book. Uh, we That's what we were hitting hard. We try to go through at least one chapter a month on this podcast. Here we are towards the end of June. I haven't cracked open Ezekiel all month long, and so I'm missing it. I want to get back into it. So I hate to do this, but I'm going to spend one more week on the gift of tongues. So come back next time, and I'm going to talk about... Um, I'll, just, I'll probably call it something like answering cessationist objections to the gift of tongues. And I'm going to deal with a bunch of questions because I've, I've only got halfway through my notes today. So I'm just going to do that for next time. Um, there's a lady named Joanna who had sent in some really, really good questions. And I really wanted to answer those today. So anyway, Joanna, I will get to your questions next time. Sorry, I could not do it today. But like I said, I just don't want this to get unwieldy for people and for me to blab way too long. So... I'm going to go ahead and sew things up for today, but here's what here's what today was about: how to receive how to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we should just focus on that. So, if you want to speak in tongues, or even if you already do, I just I, I want you to remember this. So, remember our two points today. Our two main points: number one, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is something that is subsequent to salvation, and then point number two, tongues come with or follow the baptism in the Holy Spirit. All right. 
hey, maybe you're listening and you were kind of like me. You had this really powerful, really supernatural experience at an altar call or somewhere in your life where you were trying to get closer to God. You know, you had this experience and you're like, well, I didn't speak in tongues back then. Well, I just want you to pray about that. Maybe like me, maybe you just thought, oh, maybe it's locked away somewhere inside of me. Maybe I just need to pray about this some more and have God show me how to do that. Either way, if you want to speak in tongues or if you already do, here's something I want you to remember before we leave today. The point of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, okay? And the point of it is not to speak in tongues. That is not the point of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's a sign. That is not the point, okay? The point of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So if you want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, just so that you can speak in tongues, that's probably not going to work, okay? Because that's not the point. The point is to be a witness. And God is looking to empower people who want to be a witness for him in this world. So don't say, hey, Lord, would you, would you just give me this prayer language so I can speak in tongues? No, that's not what you should pray. I want you to pray this. Lord, fill me with your spirit so that I can be empowered to be a witness for Jesus Christ in this world. And if that's where your heart is, I just want to say a prayer for you before we go. Uh, you can pray this with me. Dear Lord, just please give us a greater desire to reach the lost. Lord, implant in us a hunger and a thirst to see people saved. We pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Lord, send me. Use me. I want to walk in everything you have for me. I want to receive the full extent of the Holy Spirit's power in my life, and I'm not satisfied with where I've been. I want a deeper relationship with you, Lord God. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to be a witness for you to the uttermost parts of the earth. Help me to reach my fullest potential so that I can make the biggest impact for you and your kingdom. Amen. Make that your prayer today. Thanks for listening to the Cross References Podcast. This has been Luke Taylor reminding you, be a witness for Christ.